What's up, what's up, what's up, Snap Survivors? I am Tasha Pierce. This is After the Snap, a virtual refugee camp for everyone affected by Thanos Snap. Hello, hello, happy Friday to everyone. And if you're here and it's Friday, then you know it's another edition of our watch party for the MCU that's leading up to Avengers Endgame. Today's installment is Spider-Man Homecoming. And if you didn't know that that was what you were in for today, if this is your first time here, welcome to the show. Welcome to the party. You picked a fine day to come and hang out with us and after the snap. Yeah, after uh, speculated years of trying, Marvel and Sony finally reached a deal to share the character rights of Spider-Man way back in February 2015. And I say way back, that's li literally four years ago and the very next year they began principal photography for Spider-Man Homecoming. So that happened in June of 2016. And one year after that, <laughs> We, uh, we got a hold to Spider-Man Homecoming. That movie debuted in the United States on July 7th, 2017, and it had a runtime of just a couple ticks over two hours. So that was one, uh, it was two hours and 13 minutes. On a budget of uh, $175 million, the box office gave back $880.2 million. Now, for some reason, it seemed like in my mind, when I went back, you know, as I was thinking about those, those days, as I was thinking about just that couple of years ago when that movie came out, I was thinking that it hit a billion, but no, I was wrong. It was $880.2 million, $880 million. This movie, was, uh, this movie was, was directed by John Watts and, of course, produced by Kevin Feige along with Amy Pascal from uh, Sony Pictures. Uh, but John Watts had an idea to incorporate a lot of John Hughes' feels. He wanted this movie to have a feel of one of those 90s coming of age movies. And really those, those movies speak to me because uh, that was around the time, say in the era of me, of growing up, coming of age. So I understood that the 16 Candles, the Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the, those references or those where it got its inspiration from. I understood that and I I actually did get the, uh, get the feels that John Watts was going for in this movie. So yeah, that $880 million that uh, Spider-Man Homecoming grossed made it the second most successful Spider-Man film in history. And you think about this. There's been a lot of Spider-Man films. <laughs> We're rolling at least into our, I think it's the third trilogy of Spider-Man films. And for this, this little movie over in 2017, on this modest $175 million budget, coming in over $880 million, that is an achievement, achievement. And it's also the sixth highest grossing film of 2017. So his introductory effort was a pretty decent one. I will say $880 million is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, introductory for Tom Holland's Spider-Man, but we know that Spider-Man has been introduced and reintroduced, and now we are on our third incarnation on the big screen of Spider-Man. And I have to say, maybe it's because I'm, uh, maybe it's because I'm biased because Tom Holland actually is a young character to me. And he's also the youngest to uh, have played the web slinger, the web head on the big screen. In fact, because he was only 19 when he first played the role and everybody else was well into their 20s. So by him being a baby, I, I actually really see Peter Parker in Tom Holland. And even though I know he's got to be a pain in the ass for, for Marvel Studios because the kid talks, the kid leaks like a sieve, you know, <laughs> but is he, was he like one of the best choices that could have been made to play Peter Parker? Absolutely. I have bought into Tom Holland's Peter Parker 100%. And I really wasn't mad at uh, Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. 
you know, a lot of people may have felt some kind of way because Aunt May wasn't old. But when I think about it, I've got nieces and nephews. Like I've said a million times, I'm 46 and my oldest nephew is 21. I was 25 years old when that nephew was born, you know. Now, when you look at conversely, my sister and my son, my son is 20, will be 25 years old this year. So my son is 25 years old and my sister, I don't know if she wants me to be saying this, but my sister is 40. Now that looks like Aunt May and Peter Parker. If something had happened to me and my son had to go stay with his aunt, you would see that exact same dynamic. It is it is far more believable that Aunt May would be that kind of close in age. And not even that close in age, but younger. Aunt May would be younger than what the old Aunt May from the old Spider-Man movies and comics. If, if something were to happen and I would have to raise my niece it still wouldn't be that dynamic because my niece I've got a niece that's that's a uh, 11 okay so my 11 year old niece even if she came and stayed with me right now and we we I ended up raising her still wouldn't be the elderly auntie to a kind of high school student uh, my my niece would know that I could still chase her around I could still you know catch up with her at school and find out what she's up to old aunt may was too old to be trying to raise that kid old aunt may and uncle ben not saying not saying <laughs> okay now i'm sticking my foot in my mouth old aunt may and uncle ben struck me more as this is peter parker's mom or dad's aunt not his mom or dad's sister or brother and i'm gonna leave it alone because now i think i might be offending people who had their children later in life and i'm not trying to do that i'm just saying it's not out of outside of the realm of possibility that marissa tomei could be peter parker's auntie and young and attractive i think that uh that makes sense <laughs> crazy thing about aunt may you know and then I, like i'm jumping all over the place i haven't even gotten through with what i wanted to say uh about the facts of the movie but crazy thing about aunt may i'm still gonna tell you she used to date marissa tomei rumored because i don't know this i didn't hang out with them but it's rumored that she and robert downey jr dated way back in the way back so that's just a silly piece of trivia that i just wanted to throw in there fine i threw it in there let's move on so this is the part where i talk about the scores from metacritic and rotten tomatoes and this i guess is a fine time to talk about rotten tomatoes I'm, and I'm not going to dive too deep into this because we can talk about it on the back end or we can talk about it in another episode. But we know that I think we talked about before on a previous episode about how the outraged quote unquote fans of comic book and superhero movies decided that they were just through with Brie Larson because of her comments that she never made. And they took to Rotten Tomatoes and started to sabotage the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes for Captain Marvel. So um, this went on from taking the I want to see this movie score from 90% clean down to 20 something percent before Rotten Tomatoes pulled the plug. So basically Rotten Tomatoes said, you know, for the time being, we're going to pull the plug on on the audience score until the movie has actually come out people have actually seen it and then they can give their their feels so in essence these trolls can start their campaign right back up as soon as captain marvel comes out but oh now it's disney disney paid rotten tomatoes off rotten tomatoes is owned by comcast and warner brothers comcast and warner brothers is the I guess you'd say the head of Rotten Tomatoes. So if they were going to manipulate scores and and that sort of thing, wouldn't it be for DC movies? Wouldn't it not be for Disney movies? So you see, the trolls don't even have their story straight, and audience score is gone. And I hadn't, I like, I I didn't start off reporting the audience score. But like towards the middle of doing this watch party, I did start incorporating that audience score. So that is why I'm removing it again, because it is not relevant 
at the moment. It was relevant when this movie came out, but because of this kind of smear campaign that has been underway for Captain Marvel, I start to feel like now I can't really trust those numbers. So I don't trust the audience score because it could be a, a campaign that could go in either direction. Um, I could go on Rotten Tomatoes, or I could have in the past, gone on Rotten Tomatoes and just said, yes, I love the movie, and I could just keep placing votes. Or me and a group of idiots just like me could just, we could swing the movie's audience score in whichever favor we want. And that's not really, that's not a trustworthy uh, figure. Now, on the other hand, the critic score is basically uh, aggregated from the actual critics who turned in reviews. So little, a little bit more trustworthy. Metacritic is probably more trustworthy than Rotten Tomatoes because of the sheer amount of, of uh, reviewers that may turn in a, a review. However, I like the Rotten Tomatoes. I like the whole vibe of it. I like to say certified fresh, which we will be saying today because on Metacritic, Spider-Man Homecoming got a 73%. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it was 92. So it is certified fresh. <laughs> so moving right along, because you know uh, my intention was to record just a short episode talking about that. But I'm like, I know these people tired of me. They got a very, they got like two bonus episodes of me in the same week, it seems like. So I wasn't going to put out another one. The plot of this movie, following the Battle of New York, Adrian Toomes and his salvage company are contracted to clean up the city, but their operation is taken over by the Department of Damage Control. Now that's a partnership between Tony Stark and the U.S. government. And while uh, uh, being on the outside looking in, you'd be like, okay, it makes sense. You have Tony Stark collecting this stuff and the government. The government is always going to be involved. You got Tony Stark because he's Tony Stark. He could probably get rid of or incorporate the use of it uh, for something not criminal. <laughs> Enraged at being driven out of business, Toombs persuades his employees to keep the Shatari technology they have already scavenged and use it to create and sell advanced weapons. So eight years later, and you remember that that was a very big, huge point of contention eight years later, because 2012 is technically when the Battle of New York was was fought. And eight years after that would be would be 2020. Just chronologically, just add eight years to 2012 because this movie came out in 2017 and everything was supposed to kind of be in the timeline that you know wherever it came out that's where it was supposed to be initially in the timeline people were like well that math don't add up and technically it did not <laughs> the, the math did not add up so it was only five years and if it was eight years it would be 2020 i've got a feeling that that timeline may be right uh, bear with me on this I think that way back then, uh, Marvel already knew how this was going to end up. And I'm saying way back then, it's, it's only been a couple years. Marvel already knew how, where we were going to be right now today. And I think they may have incorporated that eight years to get us to think. They have actually gone on record saying, no, that's not what we did. It was a mistake. I just... A mistake that big that's a big mistake marvel makes mistakes mind you there there's not uh they're not infallible they make mistakes we've seen a lot of mistakes and uh over over all of these movies if i was to nitpick each mistake sometimes i would bring up stuff <laughs> but if i was to nitpick each mistake that would be the premise of the episode where i would just be standing here every week talking about mistakes and that wouldn't be fun now would it so marvel makes mistakes but it's usually something that could be just glossed over and if you blink if you miss it type of mistake not eight years later but anyway so eight years later peter parker is drafted into the avengers by stark to help with a, an internal dispute and the internal dispute happens to be captain america civil war 
he recruited this kid and brought him into the Avengers to help fight on his side, to be the kind of ringer, somebody that nobody was looking for. So now Peter is done with the whole thing with the Avengers and now he resumes his studies at the Midtown School of Science and Technology when Stark tells him he is not quite yet ready to become a full Avenger. Now, Peter Parker quit the school's academic decathlon to spend more time focusing on his crime-fighting activities as Spider-Man. He really, because Iron Man used him, Tony Stark used him, he felt like he had an opportunity with the Avengers when in all actuality, Tony Stark just basically wanted to use him as the element of surprise. And now I'm going to talk just a tiny little bit about Tony Stark's character in this movie in parts, especially in uh, in this part where he's letting the kid down. I didn't like him. I don't think that that was a very responsible thing to do. And I'm not saying that Tony Stark is the picture of responsibility. What I'm saying is you you know that this child <laughs> is out there fighting crime in uh in new york city in, in new york so you know this you took it upon yourself to elevate to to bring him under your wing so to speak to give him outfit him with a new uh spider-man suit with all these bells and whistles on it and to bring him into a fray that no child should have been brought into tony stark took it upon himself to do that and then now you want you you use them like those women that you used back in the day. Now that you're done with them, you just wash your hands of them and you send them back to school. This kid has been forever changed. The, the, the people that he once looked up to, he fought shoulder to shoulder with. He's not the same kid. You don't just drop him back off in Queens and then take off back uh, to your posh living arrangements and act like it never happened there's a there's an element of responsibility and in my opinion the way tony stark's character the way the character of tony stark handled that was just unacceptable to me what it did do is make me feel more i guess maternal towards peter parker so i don't know if that's what was meant to happen if we were supposed to kind of demonize Tony in this moment and just want to wrap your loving arms around Peter and guide him through what he's going through, now Peter is is going through basically a change of life. And yes, every young man goes through change of life, every young woman for that matter as well. But uh, And I don't have any clue. I know what going through the change for a young man looks like because I've raised a young man what I don't know is what it feels like so I actually get a better I'll say this Peter Parker displayed what it looks like pretty well it, it looks like confusion it looks like you're looking at a kid that you see going through something and you want to help pull them through this thing that they're going through but you know that they kind of have to find their way through it you can't you can't drag them through this thing because they won't know how to solve problems on their own but the problems that peter parker is trying to solve are not just your regular teenage problems even though those teenage problems are still there you also have this this superhero thing he has to balance one night after preventing criminal criminals from robbing an atm with their advanced weapons from tombs peter returns to, to his queen's apartment where the best where his best friend uh ned discovers his secret identity because you know aunt may had let the kid in the house and that's what we do when 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 um my son was young and at home and you know he his friends would come by and i know he's coming back in in 10 15 minutes i let the kids in so aunt may just did what any uh parental figure would do and whatever uh <laughs> what's his name peter parker she didn't even know he was outside of the house. So, of course, she let him in and just sent him on back to the room. He goes in the room and Pete's not there. Peter Parker sneaks back in and he's on the wall, on the ceiling, in full Spider-Man regalia. So, now Ned knows. There's no hiding it. There's no glossing it over. 
Ned knows. So now he has to enlist Ned to keep his secret, not just from Aunt May, but from the school and, and everybody else. The only two people at that school who can know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man is Ned and Peter. So on another night, Peter comes across Toombs associate, the Shocker, and Herman Schultz selling we selling weapons to local criminal Aaron Davis. And we know that Aaron Davis happens to be the uncle of Mile one Miles Morales, known as the Prowler. Well, in this movie, he was not played or voice because we know in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, he was voiced by Oscar winner Mahershala Ali. But in this, he was played by one Donald Glover, who, boy, the references just keep coming back to my son as my son's absolute favorite artist, actor, director, comedian in the world. He actually, he, he, uh, he is very inspired by by Mr. Childish Gambino. So it's during this transaction with Aaron Davis that Peter Parker meets Adrian Toomes. But when he meets Adrian Toomes, he meets him as the Vulture. Adrian Toomes has this huge mechanical Vulture suit made out of that alien tech that they were recovering from the Battle of New York scenes. And when I say this thing is incredible it is flipping incredible this suit and it would scare the shit out of me so anyway this vulture picks peter up and uh kind of drops him into a lake so now he's drops when peter gets dropped into this lake a parachute had opened up out of his suit which he didn't know was going to happen so now he's entangled in the parachute dropped into the lake and the tracking device that tony stark has embedded into this suit goes off and Stark sends one of his suits to save Peter. So now Peter is saved by Tony, who I'm still angry at, by the way. But, you know, at least, at least he was monitoring this child with this, uh, what he described as a multi-million dollar suit. He was at least monitoring this kid and uh, sent the suit to save him. And he tells him to, you know, hey, Stay on the ground. Be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Leave the rest of this stuff to the big guys. Now, Peter has told Tony why he went after the Vulture's gang. What was going on? Tony's like, you know, that's not your, that's not for you. And it's kind of below what the Avengers do. You stay on the ground and and uh, be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He hasn't explained to Peter that he was going to take care of it. That you don't have to worry about that because I'm going to uh, contact the proper authorities and allow them to take care of it because they have a, a, a network where it's just you in this little crime fighting uh, street level stuff that you're taking care of. It's just you. Once the crime becomes a little bit more sophisticated, then you, you know, you kind of need a network. He didn't explain that. He just told him to stay on the ground. As far as Peter is concerned, Man, this dude is babying me. Again, you just took me out here. I was grown enough to go over here to Germany to fight Captain America and all the rest of these people. But I'm not grown enough to take down Adrian Toomes, who he doesn't know is Adrian Toomes just yet. But I'm not grown enough to do that. So just like any other teenager, Peter feels some kind of way. And again, this is like irresponsibility on Tony's behalf because even though we... Uh, a lot of times try to detach ourselves from what our from our parents we kind of unless you had a truly horribly abusive situation or you know the person who raised you is imprinted on you and hopefully it's in us in such a way that stuff that you remember them doing that was just like oh they're so fucked up i hate hate when my parents do this or that then you realize as an adult that you know what wasn't right or because this is the way you were raised you repeat some of the same mistakes until you recognize it and then you kind of pull yourself out of making those same types of mistakes well tony doesn't have any children biologically so he didn't have years to realize oh i might be repeating the same mistakes of, of my father but what he 
did do, he is just telling this kid stuff. He's not giving him the why behind it. So no, there's no lesson being learned. There's just, you do what I tell you to do. What I say pretty much goes, especially as it comes to this suit. I made you this suit. I can take it from you. You just do what I told you to do. Stay on the ground. Instead of saying, you know, giving him the why. Stay on the ground because of this, this, and this. So again, I'm kind of not feeling Tony in this moment. It's just Tony is just not doing it for me. But in fairness, he does not have any experience He's thrown into, he's he's actually thrust himself into a position with a kid with no father figure at this time. He's put himself in a position of being a father figure to a teenager when he himself, like he's put the training wheels on this suit for Peter when he needed the training wheels put on him to be a mentor to a teenager because you're going into a whole different arena. You're not dealing with laterally with another person where your snark and your humor is really cute because you're dealing with another adult when you're dealing with a kid your snark and your humor is yeah it might be still a little charming but it's not teaching this kid shit (laughs) this kid don't know up from down he needs direction and you're telling him surface ass shit by the end of the movie tony gets it not right but closer to right but during this movie the gro- the same growing pains that peter is going through tony is going through as trying to be a a positive male role model in this kid's life and he is truly truly in the beginning truly sucking at it <laughs> so there's that he, he knows he has to protect this kid But at the same time, you're just sucking at the aspects of respecting, even though this is a child, the child has to respect you as being an adult male mentor type figure in his life. But you need to respect this child enough too, to, to teach them instead of preach at them. I'm not going to frame by frame this movie. We've all seen this movie. (laughs) I am going to touch on the parts that I think were, uh, were noteworthy important to discuss it's like the villains we saw their classic villains that are in this this movie and uh i think for this to be the the first combined effort on sony and marvel's part they did an excellent job at uh incorporating some of the better street level villains in in this movie we got the shocker we got the vulture we got the tinkerer we got the scorpion at the uh ferry we got aaron davis so lots of lots of street level villains that are common in spider-man lore kind of made showed up made little appearances here and there in the movie and like i said marvel and sony kudos to you for for working together and giving us something that wasn't uh didn't look like a mishmash of 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 uh studios working together the studios came together in the proper way where we got the end result was pretty decent all of the things with peter when he's contacting happy hogan and like just freaking blowing him blowing his phone up with text messages i can understand how that could be annoying trust me (laughs) i know it can be annoying but you don't you don't ignore a kid that's texting you because you're annoyed after you've given him a weaponized suit that has a setting called instant kill this is not a regular kid so this is not like me um just going up the street and handing a box to a kid and saying now you're spider-man and all they know is to put the suit on and do what the suit is allowing them to do you've got a kid that is a genius and his genius level friend even though they portray this kid to be kind of stupid ned in the in the show it's more or less kind of a naive but they're going to this this elite school for science and technology so um you give them a suit and that's science and technology and they are able to hack this suit and i don't understand how because tony stark is a fucking genius too 
However, they're able to hack this suit, take all the safeguards off of it, and now you've got a weaponized suit in the hands of a 15-year-old and you're ignoring him because that don't make sense. <laughs> that just does not make sense. You know that this is a curious, and like I say, I've never been a teenage boy, but Tony Stark has been a teenage boy. You don't give a genius teenage boy some technology and expect him to use this technology the way you intended without you monitoring him. Oh, well, the suit will see what he sees and, and Tony Stark will be able to respond. That kid needs to know that, hey, I'm going to know if you tamper with this suit. I need to know what's going on with you because I'm concerned and I care about you. Not just popping in and saving the day and thinking that's enough because, you know, he did it at the ferry. Uh, because Tony, in his adult wisdom, did contact the FBI after Peter Parker tells him what's going on with Adrian Toomes. So now, uh, Tony Stark puts the FBI onto this situation, and now he's like, okay, now the kid doesn't have to worry about it. Instead of telling the kid, now the kid is still thinking, okay, I can impress Mr. Stark if I save the day. He's a teenager. The one thing that you want to do as a teenager is please your parent, especially a parent who is not present mentally. So your, your parent can be present physically and financially and doing, making sure that you stay alive, <laughs> but not there mentally. This kid is reaching out in a million different ways. I want to be approved. I want your approval because you approved of me when you came and got me and took me to Germany to fight. So why don't you approve of me anymore? This is what this kid is going through. And this is what I'm saying. John Watts did too good of a job making this one of those coming of age teenage movies because I'm feeling every bit of it. And I just want to hug Peter Parker every time something goes wrong in this movie because I'm looking at it from a mama point of view or I'm looking at it like I'm his auntie. And it's just heartbreaking to see him trying in so many different ways to get Tony's attention. And the only time he gets Tony's attention is when things go wrong and he's trying so hard to get his attention when things go right. I understand. I, and then like when he's like running through yards and, and it's mimicking those movies from my coming of age, the Ferris Bueller Day Off uh, references and just the feels he's in detention. That's like a, and it was like another movie of one of the, I think it was Fast Times at Ridgemont High. What movie was it that Robert Downey Jr. was in that was one of those John Hughes films? So you even got him actually that you can emulate from these movies. But the bottom line is John Watts did a bang up job making this feel like a present day coming of age movie for this generation that kind of mirrors what the coming of age movies look like in my generation excellent job you can't he had me because obviously I'm so invested in what goes on with Peter and I feel like you know when you sit when we sat in the movies and saw this that the squirms that that people my age all got those same kind of squirms because Tony was just so disappointing all the way up until Spider-Man really did bring down Tombs. And he brought him down not to be a disobedient kid. Tony had already taken the suit from him. Told him if, you, if you're nothing without this suit, you don't need it. Took the suit from him as a punishment. So now Peter Parker is back to wearing his little homemade Spider-Man suit. And he takes down a criminal who not only was not only was about to to score the biggest heist of his little career because you know he's been doing it now for eight years he's been this thief this crook for eight years now he's he's got his eyes on stark technology well not just stark technology i'm sorry he got his eyes on avengers technology and that is a lot of shit that he had in that in that uh that unmanned <laughs> That's another thing in that unmanned plane. So all of this tech, all of these things that could be easily weaponized, 
on a plane and nobody else on it. Yeah, they put the plane in stealth mode, but however, I don't know how Toombs even knew that this plane was going to be taken off. They didn't explain how he got his information to go and uh, I guess in like a display of kind of we, we, we're going to be a little lazy. <laughs> we're not going to explain how Toombs knew that the Avengers headquarters was going to be moving and that this was going to be a plane that was full of of things that could be weaponized but tombs knew and it was just basically like oh all we got to do is get one box and we we set for almost life and he's damn near getting the whole plane in the meantime he is he is already thought he's taking care of uh peter parker after peter goes to pick his his daughter up for the homecoming dance and then they realize who one another are they put it together you know well it was real easy for for peter parker to put it together but once tombs realizes hey this is uh this kid is spider-man you know he he told him hey thank you for saving my daughter's life back there in dc so i'm gonna save yours because i could kill you right now but i'm not gonna kill you you just go in this dance, enjoy your time with my daughter, don't have too much fun with her though, and, you know, forget this shit, forget the fact that you even know any of this stuff that's going on or who I am, and you'll live, and uh, Peter could he couldn't do it, he could not, his conscience would not allow him, he still has to go in and take Tombs down, and now we know that he's doing it because he's just a hero because he wants to keep the streets safe he's not doing it any longer to impress tony stark because he feels like at this point tony stark has abandoned him that he was just so bad and that he just he just could not get this man's approval and man took the suit from him and now he's back all alone tony stark is no longer interested in him so now he feels like he has to right wrongs on his own and then once he starts writing the wrongs on his own, because Tombs left him for dead. Tombs had buried him under uh, a ton of rubble in like a warehouse. And the rubble on top of Peter just made me think of this is the weight of the world on this kid's shoulders. He's buried and he's yelling. He's asking for help and there's nobody to help him. He's trying to reach out for somebody and there's nobody. So he realizes that he can do it on his own. And that to me, when he came up from up under that rubble and he pushed that big thing off of him and it was like he, he was doing it like a shoulder press. He is pushing this up. I have never been so proud of somebody in my life. <laughs> I was just, yes, fist pumping and everything. So mind you, you know, You've seen it a million times, but it's just every single time it gets to me because I'm a parent of a young man and he stood up and from that moment on, he did nothing short of taking care of business. And yes, he did some things in an awkward way, but he, he did do it. He did do it and he did it without Tony Stark, who, you know, a lot of times they would say that he, um, where you would you are supposed to feel like he gave him the push that he needed and even tony says yes me taking that suit from you that was me giving you the push that you needed and you did it kid you did it i'm proud of you you know and when he's saying that you can see peter beaming like beaming from the inside out oh wow he's proud of me and then he gets up there and he's got his shot at becoming a full-fledged Avenger. He's got a room next to Vision who likes to go through walls and silliness. But he he realizes that he doesn't need his father figure's approval anymore. He knows how to handle himself without moving too fast. He'll stay on the street level stuff for a little while because in order for him to become a great superhero, quote-unquote, he has to deal with the with the not so super stuff and he realizes that now he realized that he might have extended himself he's lucky to be alive in this moment and tony kind of puffed up because he feels like yes i did it I, I showed this kid you know 
the error of his ways and I put him on the right path. But I mean, Tony, you need definitely need uh, parenting classes. <laughs> you cannot be a parent to this kid. Now, I don't know if what we are supposed to believe is that during uh, from from the moment of Spider-Man Homecoming ending to the to Infinity War beginning, that a relationship has been cultivated a, a further relationship where they have they are closer uh tony and peter and now they are more or less it's it's got become closer kind of father figure to son figure big brother however you want to look at it that to me yeah we're just i'm just wondering if that if that dynamic had gotten any closer it seemed like it had seems like tony kind of is getting it together and possibly this is why he's saying to pepper you know hey we ready for we ready for a kid because he's getting a little practical experience with this teenage boy and he, he thinks that now i think i can start from the beginning i think i can i, I think i can be a better parent than my dad because it wasn't that his dad didn't love tony he told him that in a million different ways showed him in a million different ways however kids need something and we uh second guess whether it is a need whether kids need to be hugged by their father kids need to be told i love you by my by their father kids don't just need a stern parent figure they absolutely 100 percent need their parent to, to temper it to be to be stern in moments and to be soft in others and uh and that and that's especially important when you have a single parent home especially important important but tony had both of his parents so he was getting some of the soft side from his mom he wanted it from his dad as well it's important especially for our young men it is important for them to feel like affection from their father not uh to the point of being overbearing but to just know that it's okay to feel affection towards their father and i could give a million examples i've got one in my mind right now about my son but i don't want to just sit here and like run his business through the streets <laughs> but the truth of the matter is you know that is important it is very important to, to for young men and they don't feel like it in that moment they might even feel smothered by their fathers but it is very important that we stop teaching young men that they have to be so tough that they can't be shown affection and that they can't show affection or they can't show emotion it that is untrue let them young men show some emotion let fathers be hands-on fathers and hug their boys and be more than this is what i said so you just do it that way that's not that is not parenting a hundred percent of the time once they know what the deal is and they they know the why then yes i've given you the why now the, the reason you're doing this now is because i'm asking you to do it but in the beginning if you give them the why and now they can wrap their minds around okay so this is this is an extension of love but anyway i don't want to get too far into parenting <laughs> at the end of this movie we see tom holland popping the house he's looking for aunt may no answer from her so now he's standing in his room uh he's putting the suit on because tony has given the suit back to him so now he's in his room with the suit on and what the heck aunt may walks into the room it's like what the fuck and that's the way the movie ended and i thought that was so cute so dope that she knows now okay that was the regular spider-man suit that uh peter parker had at the end of spider-man homecoming we go into uh the next time we see him we, we, we gonna see he's gonna be outfitted just a little he's gonna get an upgrade He's going to get an upgrade the next time we see him. And I can't wait. Just a couple of movies now. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, Spider-Man Homecoming. Great movie. Just made me feel some type of way. So, and through so much of this movie. Stanley cameo. Beginning towards the beginning of the movie. And everybody's in their brownstones. Hanging out the window. And 
Dan Lee is hanging out the window of his brownstone and he sees his neighbor and they're hollering across the, the borough at each other. That is a Stan Lee cameo for your ass. Yes. <laughs> we do know that in the post credit scenes, Toombs is locked up and he's locked up with the Scorpion who is, he's holding a grudge against Spider-Man. He has a feeling that Toombs knows who Spider-Man is, but Toombs does know who Spider-Man is, doesn't give him up to the Scorpion. And I think it's because there's a, there's a level of respect. He tried to kill Peter Parker. Dropped the building on his ass. Peter had an opportunity to just let this man die. A. Or B. To just finish him off. Just finish him off at the end of the of the battle over by the carnival that they were having. And he did neither one of those things. He gathered up everything. All of the technology that, that was salvaged out of that plane that went down. And I know it's like, it sounds crazy. If you didn't watch this movie, you're like, a plane went down? Yes, a plane went down. I just didn't feel like talking about all that stuff today. I'm already damn near an hour in. I know by the time I edit, won't be an hour, but still, I'm an hour in. So Toombs, he, he has respect. He bared Peter's life because he saved his daughter. And now here he is keeping him safe again in this moment because he saved him. He didn't allow him to die in, in that uh, parking lot. So... How do I feel about this movie? I say, on my five-point scale from one to five, I will give this a four. I love this movie. Again, I did not, mm, I really didn't like Tony Stark in this movie and to the end. And I still think he had work to do. I still think he needed a little more practice at being a father figure. So that didn't make me like, just didn't hate the movie. It was just, ugh. I didn't just thought it was so especially since especially since in Civil War the last time we saw Tony he is saying basically hey we need oversight we need somebody to babysit we need somebody to 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 uh, report our movements to and then I'm gonna give this suit to this boy and then disappear that doesn't make sense but anyway and that's stuff like that is what would make me bump a movie down because i'm like so so really you just lost one of your best friends because you felt like <laughs> you felt you really felt like that it, uh you guys needed to, to answer to somebody and now you give a multi-million your words a multi-million dollar suit to a 15 year old and then kind of dip on him turn him over to happy who it promptly ignores his boy's calls. Anything could have been going on with that suit. Anything. That's where the, the suspension of disbelief, you know, I'm like, can't nobody be that goddamn stupid. Nobody, nobody in the world can be that damn stupid. So anyway, that's it. That's uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Our next movie on our watch party list is uh, Doctor Strange. And remember, that's Tuesday. So this Tuesday's episode will be uh, Doctor Strange. Also remember that this Tuesday, I am picking a winner for the giveaway. And uh, the criteria for the giveaway is follow me on my social medias and subscribe to my YouTube channel. That's it. That's all. And email me at afterthesnap at gmail.com when you've got all that done. Follow me on all my social medias. They will be linked in the show notes. Then email me at afterthesnap at gmail.com when you're done. Easy peasy, right? Great. Okay. And for that, that giveaway will be a uh, gift card for concessions. That is if you go to AMC theaters and uh, there will be another giveaway right before the Shazam movie. So if you don't win this giveaway, keep your ears open for the next giveaway right before the Shazam movie. This one is for, for the Captain Marvel movie that I will be going to see next this next week, Thursday. And uh, yeah, so I want to make sure that you guys have your popcorn and, and your, your drink in hand on, uh, on Thursday or Friday or whenever you go see it this, you know, next week. And then we're going to talk about it. Yes, we are. We're going to discuss it in a non-spoiler way on Friday. 
that maybe just the energy, the vibe, and boy, or uh, you need to get out there to see it, or girl, you don't need to see this at all. We're going to discuss that kind of feel for it on Friday, March 8th, which is International Woman's Day. So we will also touch on Wonder Woman because I've been waiting to talk about her for a while. And why not? I'm not going to do a spoiler review of uh, of uh, Captain Marvel that day. So we might as well talk a little bit about Wonder Woman and what she brought to the table for DC, what uh, Captain Marvel is bringing to the table for Marvel and how we move going forward. Yes, indeed. That just sounds like a great idea. So glad I thought of that. But anyway, uh, join the stuff, do the stuff for the giveaway. All of the social medias will be linked in the show note. Real easy, all in one spot. If you'd like to donate to the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash after the snap where you can donate in tiers. We have a tier that starts at $1 a month and then we, it goes all the way up to 20 bucks a month. If you don't want to do a monthly donation, but you, uh, yeah, you, you don't want to do a monthly donation, but you do want to, you know, give me something to, to assist with the production of the show. Great. You can do that at paypal.me slash after the snap. I'd appreciate anything, any way that you can help. I've talked a lot longer than I thought I would about Spider-Man Homecoming. So I'm going to hold off on in-game theories. So now we've gone two weeks. We've got quite quite a bit of time without an in-game theory proper. However, we're going to be talking about Doctor Strange Tuesday. And if one thing that we ought to know is that we cannot discuss Doctor Strange without discussing his plan. So we will definitely be getting into some type of theory, theoretical territory come uh, Tuesday. Join me again for that. Join me again. Got lots going on. We're getting closer to the end of this watch party. Also, we're getting closer to my 175th day as a, as a podcaster, which you know that most podcasts have a lifespan of 174 days from the first day that they upload a episode to the point where they drop off and quit. It's generally 174 days. My 175th day as a podcaster will be April 26, 2019, coinciding, coincidentally, with the uh, launch of Avengers Endgame. So that is going to be a huge celebration week. Huge celebration. I cannot wait to cross the threshold to feel like I've graduated to 175 days where we we might make it. (laughs) So anyway, not going to keep you any longer. You guys have an awesome week. Join me back here on Tuesday and I'll catch you on the flip.